Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200. Astronomy Cast, episode 653, Climate Change, Looking into the Variables. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts-based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. I'm Fraser Kane. I'm the publisher of Universe Today. I've been a space and astronomy journalist for over 20 years. With me, as always, is Dr. Pamela Gay, a senior scientist for the Planetary Science Institute and the director of CosmoQuest. Hey, Pamela, how are you doing? I, I am doing well. This this is one of those topics that I never look forward to, but I feel has to be discussed. So, dear yeah. audience, please don't send us hate letters. Listen, yeah. Wait. and then well, you, send you, us comments. Well, you know, like I don't care. Like you know what? Like like this isn't the show for you. If you if you think that climate change isn't isn't real, then just go away. Yeah. Just go go talk to your friends who also disbelieve in climate change. It's not, you know, um, the, I'm not going to get bullied and harassed at talking about the the scientific consensus. Um, and it is a little unusual to me that people will like just get so boisterous about it. And I think about the political misinformation campaign that has just done such a brilliant job. Like the, the people who helped make people confused about whether or not cigarettes cause cancer, then moved on to clean coal and then moved on to climate change. And, uh, and the effect is long lasting. So anyway, uh, yeah. And you know, what's funny. I love my electric car. Like I, like if I had to choose between a gas car, like if, if my electric car destroyed the planet, I would choose it over my gas car because it's so much cooler and better and, and quieter and faster. And I just plug it in and it works better. And I'm genuinely excited at the electrification, the modernization, the self reliance that we're moving towards. And again, like, it's so cool. It's exciting. It's like, it's a technology. It turns everything into a technology that I find really exciting. Anyway, let's move on. Let's, let's get into the show. Uh, climate change is on our mind these days with increasing wildfires, droughts, and floods. What are the variables that play into a planet's changing climate? And what can this teach us about the search for habitable planets in the solar system and across the Milky Way? All right, Pamela. So I guess 
Where do you want to start on this one? How do you want to crack into this episode? So the the starting premise is there are variables that determine in part how our atmosphere is able to hold on to heat and release heat. And there are variables that determine how the planet itself is able to retain and reflect heat. Pick a variable. Well, let's, I mean, I guess let's start with the main one, which is Mm -hmm. the main input, the sun. Yes. So let's start with that one, energy in. Yes. So in general, our sun is a midlife star. It has changed in brightness very slightly over time, and it will continue to get ever so slightly brighter over time. And Mm -hmm. um, these variations are things that are occurring over literally millions and billions of years. And while we can see differences in what was going on in the earliest days of our planet billions of years ago, over the course of human history's small fraction of our time on this earth, the sun's output hasn't had a overall effect outside of the 11-year solar cycle. And there was one minor dark patch in the dark ages where the sun was like, I'm not going to have sunspots. You do you. I'm going to do me. And during that period, we did see some cooling that occurred. But the point being, without the input from the sun, we wouldn't have a global warming problem. We, right? We, if, if, there, if there was no sun, there would be no global warming. I can't, I can't contradict that. I also feel, though, yeah. that like, life as we know it would not exist. So that, that is really not a concern to me. We have a sun. It's there. <laughs> right, right, right. But the point being that the sun, the sun is the input. Yes. And then how that input gets reflected, changed, absorbed, released, etc., all depends on the variables that are happening here on, on planet Earth. Yes. And there are minor variations on the sun. We saw, um, as you said, we had a time, you know, there's increased sunspot activity mm-hmm. can change things. Uh, increased solar activity can change things, but are not changing things today, currently. And in 500 million years from now, the sun will heat up to the point that the Earth's oceans will boil. But that is not tomorrow. That is not within the next 100 years. That is measured in, you know, like the amount of time that animals have existed on planet Earth. That's how long it's going to take. So... Um, all right. So, so the sun is the input. Yeah. So then what are the, I guess, what are the variables that define the, the temperature that we experience here on the planet? I guess the distance from the sun matters, the shape of our orbit, (laughs) the distance from the sun, the shape of our orbit, these things both matter. Uh, they aren't again, changing over, uh, periods of time that matter for humans. We find that the winter in the Southern Hemisphere is slightly worse, ever so slightly worse than winter in the Northern Hemisphere, simply because the Earth is ever so slightly closer to the sun in January, which is Northern winter and Southern southern summer. So Southern summer doesn't get quite as much sun. In the grand scheme of things, this is just a constant 
over the course of human scales. Now, what about the tilt, the axial tilt of the planet? Because that changes not in a human lifetime, but in, I guess, civilization's lifetime. What we're seeing with that, though... The wobble. Yeah. So our planet is a top, and I'm going to use a coffee stirrer to indicate it, and I am going to use a hairbrush to be the sun. We, we are high-tech around here, humans. So as, as our disappearing entirely into my background and getting ready to be replaced by a red pen that is easier to see. Okay, so we have our planet Earth, and it's going around, and as it goes around, it is constantly pointed towards the same star. But over time, it's slowly going to change what star it's pointed to. But its tilt relative to the sun isn't really changing. So, well, yes, over the grandest scales of time, there is some wobble to that tilt. The big thing that we're able to see over the course of history is the change of where the North Pole and the South Pole are pointed. But mm. the difference between the, t- the, the location of the sun and the tilt of the Earth, that, that angular difference is fairly constant, even though what star the planet is pointed to is mm-hmm. varying. So with the tilt not really changing, it's not changing right. how the seasons occur, other and, than what stars are there. I mean, it's, I guess it's not, it's not changing the total amount of energy that's falling right. on the surface of planet Earth. It is changing. Like right now, the, the, the cool thing that you discover is that the Earth is at the closest point of its orbit during winter in the northern hemisphere and it's at the farthest point of its orbit during summer in the northern hemisphere and that slightly moderates both the winter and the summer and you mentioned earlier that the the winter in the southern hemisphere is more extreme partly because there's more ocean and less land but also because the earth is at the closest point during its summer and the farthest point during its winter and so you just get the the both the tilt and the distance adding up as opposed to them mildly canceling out yeah. as we get in the northern hemisphere. All right. So the tilt, you know, we can sort of remove that from the from the system because it's, the total amount of energy is going to hit is yeah. going to hit the earth whether no matter how the earth is tilted. So let's talk about the big uh I guess the variables in in terms of how the planet appears to the, the radiation that's coming at it. Right. So the you know the the amount of land versus sea versus ice, etc. How does that have a effect? So as as the sunlight comes down, it hits our planet and what happens when it hits our planet depends on exactly what it's hitting. If the sunlight hits ice, it's going to get reflected upwards. If it hits dirt, it's going to get absorbed and over time re-radiate that energy, but slowly and in the infrared. So what the sun hits determines how well we keep or reflect that heat. And over time, what we're finding is... As we remove forests, that changes how, well, the, the forests absorb light versus the ground absorbing light. It changes 
uh, the colors that the light is re-radiated at. As hmm. we see uh, the the ice melt, that's causing less reflection to occur. As we see less snowfall occurring, that's causing less reflection to occur. You know, these can, when you think about like the snowball earth back a billion years ago, the earth was completely covered in ice, which is highly reflective. And mm-hmm. that would, that's kind of self-reinforcing. It locks in because the sunlight is falling on the earth and then the sunlight is being reflected back out. It doesn't get a chance to warm and it stays icy. And, and you know, it was thought that you, you needed to have like some amount of volcanism to seriously impact the environment on earth to kick it out of that, that, snowball earth cycle that it was trapped in which is is kind of interesting you do wonder like could we get back into a snowball earth in the future and you know what would what could what could that take all right so we've talked about this the surface composition of the planet we've talked about the the actual orbital mechanics of it the sun let's talk about the composition of the atmosphere this is where the (laughs) this is where the big factors start to come into play yeah, so... Or I guess the, the big factors for vari- variation. I mean, again, back to it. Sorry, the, you know, the sun is the key, but as we change the atmosphere, that's what will have an impact. So as the sunlight comes down through our atmosphere, um, a whole wide variety of colors of light are able to make it all the way down to the surface of the planet. There, there are colors that are luckily reflected, like x-rays. They don't hit us. We're very grateful because that would cause cancer. Yeah. Now, all these colors of light coming down through the atmosphere, um, they get re-radiated or reflected depending on if they hit ice or if they're absorbed by land or water and then released. The reflected light uh, goes back up through the atmosphere some of it escapes, some of it bounces off of molecules and comes back down. With that infrared radiation, a lot of it hits stuff in the atmosphere and then becomes trapped in our atmosphere. And this is exactly how a greenhouse out in your yard might work. Sunlight comes down through the glass, it warms up the flower beds, it warms up the air. That infrared radiation then hits the glass and the glass isn't as transparent so the heat stays in the greenhouse we so we have a very real example of this situation in the shop in the studio that i'm Mm -hmm. in right now um we our original garage doors we're going to have these these translucent panes of glass along pretty much the entire wall we have three garage doors that open up the the shop and we had originally we're going to get these, but then they were back ordered for like six months. And so the garage door installers put in opaque solid doors and we went through this heat wave and we were just shocked and amazed at how cool the shop was with tons of insulation. The sun would hit the, the garage doors and keep us cool. And then they finally, the doors came in and we got them installed and suddenly we're like, Oh God, we built a greenhouse. (laughs) And, and everything changes. Now, the second the sun comes up, the place just heats up many degrees, five, ten degrees hotter than it is outside. And it's it's been a, definitely a learning experience to manage the temperature changes 
just by having the difference between a wall and glass and having the heat trapped inside the shop with us. Yeah. It's going to be cool in the winter, but it's definitely work in the summer to kind of moderate the temperature. And and this is something that any of us who've lived in cold climates have experienced in the winter. One of those completely cloudless winter days is going to be so much colder than a completely cloudy day. And this is because those clouds are are able to reflect back down because they're filled with water vapor. Water vapor is a greenhouse gas. Those clouds are able to reflect back down the the heat that's trying to escape. And on those crystal clear days, you just get frozen because any heat you might have is escaping. So, so which are the components of the atmosphere that are contributing to, you know, the variables of, of the temperature, of the trapped infrared radiation? So there, there's a variety of different problem children. On, on one hand, you have specific molecules and atoms. Uh, methane is one that when it gets into the atmosphere, CH4, it will eventually break down in the sunlight, but until then, it's just going to work to trap infrared radiation. We also have water vapor, a variety of other more complex molecules. And and then there's also aerosols uh, and any other large particles that can get lofted up and trapped in the atmosphere can also cause problems. One of the new forms of research that... that I hadn't thought about and now find deeply disturbing is we are regularly dropping things down through the atmosphere, burning them up. Um, the the bottom, uh, basically, storage part of the dragon capsule and other capsules just gets dropped through the atmosphere. Trash gets dropped through the atmosphere. Dead spacecraft get dropped through the atmosphere. And researchers are now starting to run models to see if when we add all of the stuff and things that was once a spacecraft to the upper parts of our atmosphere, how does that affect things? And the answer is some of it scatters light away. Yay, cool the world. Some of it traps infrared heat, warming the world. And Figuring out the balance of how this occurs is something we don't entirely know how to do. And this is one of the problems that keeps cropping up with climate change is there are variables that we realize that we never realized before and we know they're there and we don't entirely know what to do with them. And it's not like the Drake equation where it's just a fun guessing game to figure out if we're going to destroy the planet or not or if there are aliens or not. Aliens, fun. Destroying the planet, not so much. So, yeah. So let's talk about the carbon-based elephant in the room, carbon dioxide. Right. So that's another one of the greenhouse gases. And it's one of the ones that gets released through myriad different industrial processes and through forest fires. And we're finding that along with methane, it is getting released in really weird geological events. There there have been sinkholes springing up in Siberia, releasing large amounts of greenhouse gases 
as what was once tundra melts. We are similarly finding in places like Greenland, Alaska, the tundra that had remained frozen since human beings first made it to this continent is is thawing out and all of the organic material that was either put in the tundra by human beings seeking to freeze things or frozen there through minor freeze thaws that allowed some melting, life emerged, and then it got snowed on, got buried, and over time it just built up new layers of that very carefully growing in the few months that it was possible foliage. And as this stuff thaws, microbes are going in, are processing it, and releasing more gases. So we have human-contributed carbon dioxide, which is the thing that sparked all of this in the first place. There's, there's no denying it when you look at when things started happening. Yeah, I mean, when you think about every variable that that could have accounted for the amount yeah. of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, you've got human, you know, the impact from humans. You've got volcanoes. You've got f- forest fires, natural occurrence, and scientists have checked this right. And and it is it is the human released carbon dioxide that is the thing that is filling up the that is contributing the most when you yes. look at the amount of additional carbon dioxide that's going into the atmosphere, it's coming from human emissions. We, we can track it from where it is emitted to where it ends up in the atmosphere and watch the seasonal variations. And the thing that keeps me awake at night is the realization that there were things that we hadn't thought to account for, like the melting of the tundra, and these things that we hadn't thought to account for are just making things worse. And so you always know that in complex systems like this, you're probably going to forget certain factors. And here, the factors we keep discovering just keep accelerating the problem. And, and it comes down to, okay, so if this melts, how do all of these other things get affected? And, and it's, in some cases, as simple as if you melt enough fresh water into the ocean, it changes the thermodynamics of the entire planet. And so and that kind of leads into the next topic that I wanted to talk about was the, the feedback effects, yeah. the, the second order happenings. You mentioned a couple already. You mentioned the fact that that with increasing temperatures, you're seeing uh, a rise of gases that had been trapped, released from the Arctic regions. Mm-hmm. We're seeing increased forest fires, which are releasing particulate which and carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. We're seeing increased amounts of... of I guess melt water going into the oceans. Yeah. Does that does that change the temperature of the planet, or does that just change the local weather patterns for various places? It it changes the energy distribution and the thermal capacity. So anyone who cooks has probably at some point or another encountered instructions along the lines of boil this in water, then add to your soup. 
And it's sort of like, well, but my soup's boiling. Why can't I just cook this in my soup? And I suspect I am not alone in saying I have attempted to make the dumplings directly in the soup and I have regretted all my life choices for that right, day every and time. time. Yep. And, and the issue is that materials that have different compositions are able to share temperatures easier or worse. If you sit on a wooden bench that you are able to measure with your little IR thermometer as being 80 degrees on the surface, it's not going to feel like you're burning. If you sit on a piece of metal that's 80 degrees, it's going to feel hot. And the difference is the metal has a greater capacity to transfer its heat. So changing our ocean salinity, it, it starts doing things like changing freeze point, changing how energy is transferred. And there's also the complication of when you add heat to the, the equatorial regions, you are now triggering bigger storms, which create bigger cloud cover, which further trap heat. Do clouds trap heat or, or block yeah, it? They trap it. Well, I mean, they do both, but if <laughs> if it is uh, a surplus of energy underneath that you would like to have radiate away, the failure to radiate away is problematic. Right. So the other problem that we have on top of this is when you add fresh water to the ocean, the change in salinity changes how pockets of hot and cold water can rise and sink. And this changes how heat is transferred through the ocean. It actually has the potential to shut down the the currents that are what allowed early sailors to get to our continent and what allows England to have palm trees despite mm-hmm. being further north than you are in British Columbia. Yeah, it, it was amazing being in Iceland and being prepared for it being just absolutely, you know, you're at the Arctic Circle, you're yeah. expecting it to be so cold. No. But it was, it kind of felt like Canada, felt like home, felt like, yeah, it was chilly, but it wasn't terrible. And that was the regulating temperature of the of the of the ocean currents, which is just absolutely incredible. So, were there any other second order variables that that we would want to throw into this? We, I guess, the loss of ice makes less of the sunlight reflect back out into space. Yeah, the the loss of of ice is is a major problem, and it also has the added difficulty that once the glaciers are gone, they are currently a major source of drinking water runoff, just in general keeping vast swaths of different continents well watered and thus, well, Hmm. not causing deserts. As the Rhine goes away in Europe, as the Colorado River goes away in North America, entire swaths of land are no longer going to be able to support the current vegetation, which is going to again change the retention and reflection of heat, exposing land that will retain it in completely different ways than the current foliage does. Yeah, I mean, you know, you say you get a forest fire coming through an area like mine, and then the vegetation can't 
come back because it's not wet enough anymore. And so instead you get grassland or maybe you get desert at a certain point if the rain cuts down. And and a lot of these places are driven by flooding, which is driven by glaciers. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned this in the past. We have a glacier right over top of my city that we can see most of the time when you're driving around inside the city. It's expected it'll be gone in about probably 10 years from now, which sucks because yeah. it's, it's like it's the icon of our city is this glacier and it'll be gone. And then we, I don't know, I don't know. Will everyone have to change their, their, you know, will the cities have to change their stationary to no longer use the glacier as their, uh, as their icon. Anyway, I think we've reached the, the end of, of this week's episode. Uh, no solutions, just a clarification of all of the variables. You're going to write a big math formula. Now you have all the pieces to throw in as you solve climate change uh, on your own. Account for all of those. All right. Well, thank you, Pamela. Thank you so much, Fraser. And thank you to all of you out there who support our show on patreon.com slash astronomycast. This week, I would like to thank by name Ninja Nick, Don Mundus, Michelle Cullen, Janelle Duncan, Dean McDaniel, Antisor, Scott Briggs, Benjamin Carrier, J. Alex Alexanderson, Matt Rucker, Moose and Deer, Frodo Tannenbaugh, Father Prax, Peter, Jim McGahan, Shersom, Brent, sorry, Brent Krenop, Mark Stephen Raznak, Abraham Contrell, Mark H. Wittick, Bruce Amazine, Philip Grand, Dustin Ralph, GForce 184, Dwight Ilk, Paul L. Hayden, Andrew Stevenson, Karthik Vekatraman, Stephen Coffey, Glenn McDavid, Planetar, Cami Racian, Semensky, Tim Garish, Benjamin Davies, James Roger, and the mysterious Mark. Thank you all so much. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Astronomy Cast is a joint product of Universe Today and the Planetary Science Institute. Astronomy Cast is released under a Creative Commons attribution license. So love it, share it, and remix it. But please credit it to our hosts, Fraser Kane and Dr. Pamela Gay. You can get more information on today's show topic on our website, astronomycast.com. This episode was brought to you thanks to our generous patrons on Patreon. If you want to help keep this show going, please consider joining our community at patreon.com slash astronomycast. Not only do you help us pay our producers a fair wage, you will also get special access to content right in your inbox and invites to online events. We are so grateful to all of you who have joined our Patreon community already. Anyways, keep looking up. This has been Astronomy Cast.